Hi, I'm indie fantasy author Melinda Cusera, and today Jack Adkins joins me to discuss his fantasy adventure novel, The Blood of a Dragon. So let's hear about The Blood of a Dragon and let's meet Jack. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me and thank you for letting me talk about my book. Um, my book, The Blood of a Dragon, It uh, my debut novel came out in 2021 uh, in the fall and I will have a heavy visual aid here for those who are watching the YouTube video, but the, I'm really proud of the artwork because uh, a friend of mine is an English teacher in Indonesia and he messaged me and said, Hey, I've got an art student who is phenomenal. Um, do you have anything she could do? So I, I messaged her and sent her some ideas and she sent me this beautiful dragon eye that is weeping and the tears are, are blood. And that was, that was what I asked because it kind of tied into the story and it is, it's beautiful. And I'm, I'm really proud of it. She, she's done both covers of both books and she'll do um, as much as I can get her to do. So, <clears throat> uh, so I'm really excited about that. It's very pretty. I like pretty things, you know, on books. It is pretty. Uh, yeah. I, for those who can't see it, it is very, it's very stunning. It's it's actually in, if you're listening to this, the cover is actually uh, the episode image. So you can, it may be, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it'd be large enough to see the cover, but it is on there. So but now tell us about the blood of a dragon. So this is a, a series. It's, it's a six book series, two trilogies, and it's set in a world that I imagine called Dorwine. And in this world, dragons um, rule supreme. They are worshipped and revered like gods and because they have godlike powers. Um, the only magic that you can use in Dorwine is derived from a dragon's blood. Um, dragon's blood is, is doled out by these dragons like currency. So, for example, a vial of dragon's blood, you could trade for a, a boat or, or a really nice sword or something like that. They, they kind of use it that way. Um, they dispense it to their priests who do make magical potions or, or do healings or things like that. Um, so I, dragons for me have always been just a, just a, such a fascinating thing. And as a, almost a, most of my life, I played Dungeons and Dragons. Thirty-five years. Wow, that's a long wow. time. I was very young, um, and just this kind of mythos of dragons is, is kind of ingrained. But I wanted to do it a little differently. Um, in Dungeons and Dragons, you have chromatic dragons and you have metallic dragons, and the metallic dragons are good, and the chromatic dragons are evil, and it's that's kind of the um, the sense that you get in Dorwine, but it's it's actually not the case. The, all the dragons are tyrants. All of them, um, they're ancient, immortal, very self-centered, um, and they treat mortal people like their servants. They treat them like um, it, as if they should be worshipped. You know, they everything is centered around these dragons, and there are there are dragon lords. So each color of dragon has a a supreme ruler within their own color. Uh, they all have different powers and those kinds of things. So um, I made wait, this. Wait. How how do you become a supreme ruler of like a, a sect of a dragon's followers? Or maybe we should save that to after we hear we meet the characters and stuff. But I'm now curious how you no. become that supreme uh, leader because 
That's a cool job, I would think. Yeah, that would be. Um, each of the factions are different, and some of the, the different colored dragons are more benevolent, um, so they would be more democratic, or they would they would use some sort of uh, contest or something. Uh, more cunning dragons, maybe they would have some sort of contest. Um, or some of the, the darker, more heinous dragons, they you know they would maybe you would ascend through assassination or or plots and that's kind of one of the subplots that that runs through my series that you see in the second book is um you know this one dragon lord they're done with him they're ready to be you know they're ready for new blood so a bunch of people conspire to get rid of him and that's that's uh that's kind of how they deal with with that um and they have a council of worms which is a bit of a tongue-in-cheek uh, i have a lot of friends who um who are really into reform theology so we talk about the council of verm which is different but uh so they they would message me when they'd read the book but this council of worms is all these different color dragons all these different type of dragons they come together and they make decisions about how the mortals are going to be ruled or what are boundary disputes and, and all these things. So they, this has been the case for a thousand years. The, the, the mythos of this land is, is varied depending on what group you're from, but the dragons say that they were put there by this creator God that made the land and set them as gods over this place. And then he left, uh, whether that's the truth or not, that's one of the things that comes out in the story. Um, but they they rule and they have had supreme control and all magic has been derived from them until recently. And there have been some things come up where there are rumors of uh, people with wild magic and the dragons are quick to quell that. They send people to take care of that problem and, and get rid of those people uh, just wait, wait. so that. Why don't they want this people to have this wild magic? Like what's. Because they want to, they want to have all the control. They want ah. to be all, all magic is derived from them. That's kind of been their story, and they want to perpetuate that. I see. Of so power. I see. So, uh, well, magic then it goes against that narrative. That's interesting. Yeah. Do we and, find out where this wild magic comes from? Because if all magics come from dragons, where does the wild ones come from? Yeah, you do in, in a couple of different things. And, sure. and a couple of the characters in the book, um, one of the one of my favorite characters is if you play Dungeons and Dragons, he probably would relate to it. Or if you play World of Warcraft, his, his race of people. Yeah, well, he's... I've never he's, played. <laughs> it, um, I played for, I played like 10 years ago, so I haven't played in a long time, but um, he's, he's uh, a hob, which is, it's, it's kind of short for a hobgoblin. These are a group of people, they, they're, they're small in stature, and sometimes they may have kind of deformities, they would have an arm longer than another, or they would have a, an odd look about them, or, or they're really outcast from society, but you kind of discover that these these people have dragon blood in their heritage and there's this sort of heinous practice some dragons will assume the form of a mortal and take mortal wives or have mortal children and these people who are are blooded uh that's that's the product of that i see and why, why is why do they um cast out the hobgoblins because they're kind of ugly and they're they 
when they see somebody that looks that way, their assumption is they probably have some sort of magical ability. So, you know, they want nothing to do with them because everyone wants to appease the dragons. Um, every, everything that you ever have in life, everything you ever hope for is really at the whim of a dragon. If you have a I business see. and you want it to do well, you have to appease them. So, I see. Yeah. I see. So, so when they take the form of a mortal, these dragons, and you know, have relations with you know whoever, and have children, do the children always become hobgoblins, or do some of them turn out to be not hobgoblins and into something else? They actually don't. Uh, typically, the offspring they don't have um, any of those malformities. It's later. Uh, as the bloodline kind of dilutes oh. a little. So Gen 1 is okay. Generation yeah. 2 is probably okay. But after 3, things get sketchy. Right. Gotcha. And not a lot is known about them other than those, you know, that kind of rumor or, you know, the understanding that uh, something is wrong with that person. And, and I like that because, you know, we have people in our own society that are that way. They're kind of pariahs based on, how they look, they have a stigma or because of how they talk. And what you find with Afund, who is uh, one of these characters, obviously there's a tremendous amount of value. He's an incredibly uh, valuable person. He's a real person. So um, I wanted to kind of weave that into my story that uh, we're pretty quick to judge sometimes in our societies, but um when you get to when you get past the aesthetics or get past your own uh, prejudices, then you know there's some beautiful people. Um, yeah, can can we meet? Do we meet that character in in the excerpt you're going to read for us today, or are we meeting other characters? We do not. What ah. I'm going to read today, um, the first book has three main characters that you follow. Um, one of which is uh, a very there's a lot of intrigue that surrounds her. Her name is Krenthus, and um, she is a half-elf, and there are different elves, too. There, there are sea elves that have, um, they have blue skin, and they can breathe underwater and, and all these nice things. Most elves that you meet in the area where we start are, are, are half or some sort of mixed blood elf. The, the pure elves, the pure-blooded elves, they live in a completely different place and they're very haughty and they, they have their own ideas about things. But uh, Krenthus is, is a very, is kind of a sketchy character because she has a shady past and um, you get the sense immediately that maybe she's not really being forthright with what's what's going on. She's, she's got some, some things in the works that you don't know about. Um, the second character is, um, he's a, a, a sub, uh, an aquatic race of people as well, um, that are actually from another world, but his, his people live at the bottom of the sea and they are these caretakers of the sea and they, they prevent these, um, there are these breaches that are happening where creatures come in from other planes and stuff like that. They protect against that. They, they protect the sea and he is an exile from his homeland and he is extremely naive. Um, and he has some strange powers that because he's not from Dorwine um, would probably get him in a lot of trouble. Oh, no. um, 
Yeah. And then the, the third character, which is really the main character in the series, is Anuka Sandbar. And he is a half goblin. And we don't really know in the beginning what his other heritage is. But it's something strange because his skin is red, like very dark red. And um, he kind of goes against the convention of the goblin race in Dorwine. And he's he's an articulate person. He's intelligent. But he is... A, a very much a, a Han Solo type of scallywag character. And he's very much out for his own ideas and, and the things he wants. And he's not against swindling somebody to get what he wants. He's not against stealing. He's not against uh, bribing, whatever he has to do. And the whole, the whole story starts out with him um, kind of reflecting on the fact that he's lost his father. His father is missing. And he's going to find his father. And the only thing he really has, he has a, a, a letter that gives him an idea of where he might be. So he's going to this place called Uzban Port, where the uh, Black Dragon uh, Bog rules. And he's going to go there looking for his father. And so we start off and he, he meets these other characters and doesn't really hit him off, hit off with them as well as he would like. He, he's somebody who's very much used to being able to charm his way into anything. And um, it doesn't it doesn't always work out like he would think. So the section I'm gonna read is from the second chapter in the book. And this is um, uh, Michael uh, Kramer narrated uh, my book. And people ask all the time, wow, how did you get Michael Kramer? I said, I emailed him chapter two. And he replied back and said, that's hilarious. I want to do this book. So that's that's really wow. cool. And I, yeah. And that's it's, amazing. It, I thought so, too. And they're the sweetest people. They're from the D.C. area. We got to meet them last year. And I just fanboyed really hard because, I mean, they're they're legendary narrators. But they're also just so sweet and down to earth and uh just neat, neat people. Um, so he, I figure if he liked it, this is this is probably uh, where I should start. So I, I like to read this chapter when I get the chance. But um, it, it, if it's okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and read from. Yeah, uh, yeah please right. start wherever you want and end where you know and where you think is a good stopping point that'll make us want more. <laughs> All right, so. <clears throat> This is chapter two, A Slight Misunderstanding. So just a little bit of background. Um, we meet Anuka. We see who Krenthus is. And Kelios is the, the third character. He's the, the fish out of water, so to speak. Um, we've, we meet these people. And Anuka is desperate to find his dad. His dad is a, is a famous admiral. He was a, a, a pirate before he became a respectable sailor. Um, he's a, an engineer, an architect. Just a, he's a brilliant guy, and, um, and he's gone. And now Anuka is trying to get a ship and get some people and get some money, something, because he has to find his papa. So he's getting pretty desperate. So <clears throat> we, we start out with those things and. In, in mind, and um, Anuka and Kelly all start out on the deck of uh, of a ship um, called the Sea Pocket. When Anuka saw the fish man on deck, a place Anuka rarely went, he drew a thin, uh, sorry, he took a draw of thin ale from a wooden cup in his hand and cheered his luck. 
Maybe he could redeem this poor handling of the rich-looking stranger after all. The sound of rattling coins rang in Anuka's mind. He made his way over to the rail where the man stood and cleared his throat. The tall man looked at Anuka flatly, but turned to face him squarely. Look, I'm sorry if my jokes from earlier were a bit off color. I get carried away sometimes. Anuka stuck out his hand in the local tradition and saw the stranger wasn't familiar with the gesture. Right, he's a fish man. Retracting his hand, he swept into a low bow and said, I'm Anuka Sandbar. Kelios Vermuth, the fish man said with a bow of his own. Smiling, Anuka pumped his fist excitedly and said, that's great. Look, I don't know where you're from or what you're up to or even what you are, but I can tell you've got a lot going on. I'm headed to Uzbon. I've got some work there and I'm looking to put my crew together. That's right. I'm a captain in the making and I'm looking for some lenders for this initial. Anuka trailed off. He'd lost the man's attention. Anuka followed Kelios's gaze across the deck to a girl leaning on the starboard rail. Anuka quickly appraised the girl and found her quite fetching. That is, if you go in for the tall, slender, buxom, thick-lipped, silky-haired, mixed-blood sea elf type, he certainly did not, but the sight of Kelios noticing her put an idea into his mind. Looking at the forlorn face of his new project, Anuka made a decision. Handing his little wooden cup to Kelios, he exclaimed, Hey, uh, excuse me a minute. He made a quick bow. I need to talk to somebody, but I'll be right back. Anuka left Kelios standing in confusion as he made straight toward the girl on the other side of the boat. Being half the size of everyone else, put his face even with everyone else's butt. A couple of well-aimed well pokes quickly parted the crowd for the little red goblin. He emerged from the sea of stinking rear ends to find his quarry looking right at him. She was different up close, dangerous. There was something in her eyes that he hadn't seen across the deck. She looked much less the hapless vixen trolling for affection and more like a plains lion scanning for something small and slow to eat. No mind, Kelios needs this. Besides, Anu Anuka had handled all sorts in his day. A man of the sea had to know how to handle prostitutes. Hey there, he said, straining to keep the natural squeak out of his voice. I'm Anuka Sandbar, seaman, swordsman, pirate, merchant, and showman. He swept his worn leather hat from his bald head and bent into a low bow. It probably looked silly on such a small creature, he knew, but he had seen his papa do it a hundred times, and the effect was genuinely positive. Well, she said with a smile. She sounded impressed. Thanks, papa. Such decorum for a... What are you? Anuka straightened himself and grinned broadly to show off his nearly perfect set of mostly clean, sharp-pointed teeth. He had gotten over being the strangest goblin people had ever met and loved the effect it had on people. He wasn't disappointed as the young wench's face slipped from teasing to surprise just a little bit. As I said, I'm a Nuka Sandbar, and as to my heritage, he shrugged, my father's a glamican, as your people would say, or a goblin to some other folk. My mother was complicated.
Was, she asked, and her face seemed to soften just a touch. Was, he nodded in agreement. Tidal waves of anguish beat futilely at the walls Anuka had spent the last decade constructing around his heart. He smiled, and maybe a little bit of sadness crept into his eyes. Just a little. And you are? His change in tone made it clear that the discussion about his mother was at an end. She pursed her lips for a moment and said, Krinthus Larenho. I was right, Anuka mused. Human blood, judging by her surname. If you're fool enough to give any credence to the hierarchy of creation, like some religious zealots did, you understood that mixed blood CF was about as close to the bottom as one could get. Anuka wasn't all that sure where he fit on that mythical scale. It's a pleasure, Krentis. He always tried to say people's names a couple times, like Papa did. Now, let's get down to business. Ignoring the puzzled look that crawled onto the elf's smooth-skinned face, Anuka slid his arm to her back and, standing beside her, directed her attention across the deck to where an anxious-looking Kelios stood watching them. My green-skinned friend there. Do you glimpse him? Anuka stretched to his tiptoes to see the tall man. Yes, I... Good. Look, I don't know what he is either, but I know he's a mess. He turned back to regard her, smoothing, smoothly slipping his rough little hand into her delicate one. He is from far... He is far from home. Best I can tell, he lives at the bottom of the ocean or something. I don't know. Anyway, he's lonely and obviously out of his element, a little bit afraid and lonely. You already said lonely. Anuka smiled. You're quick. That's where I'm going with all this. Look, he isn't terribly hideous and seems in good health. I think the two of you can make a go of it. Krentis's eyebrows shot way up, her eyes wide and her mouth, uh, her mouth dropped open. I know what you're going to say, and I get it. Uh, that's kind of what I want to talk about. I'm not exactly swimming in gold right now, Anuka said. A few seconds passed. Then the shock on Corinthus's face melted like wax in the sun into a frightening look. Slender eyebrows smashed together and her eyes darkened. She seemed much taller and stronger than any sea elf he had ever seen. Anuka could almost swear he saw smoke trail from her now flaring nostrils. You know, I know you probably hear this a lot, but money isn't usually a problem. My dad is sort of a famous captain. Once I find him in Uzban, I'll be flush. I'm just trying to help this poor sap out. He has trouble stringing words together, and I figured I would... Anuka let the words trail off. Krithis looked like she had found an eyeball in her fish soup. It dawned on him that he may have misjudged the situation. Get out of here, she growled through clenched teeth. Anuka had always been small. He'd learned pretty quickly when to keep talking and when to make a run for it. He suddenly noticed that things had shifted from him holding her hand to her crushing his. So he jerked his tiny fingers free, backed up two steps, and disappeared into the crowd of butts once more. So that's Anuka making a wrong first impression. Yeah, that was quite the impression. <laughs> I can I can see why Michael Kramer like wanted to narrate this based on that. That was I really enjoyed that. Thanks. He's a very fun character and he's good to explore because he always does unexpected things. 
which is great. And it just ruins a good, you know, ruins your story. You know, it's like, oh no, what are we going to, yeah. how are we going to fix this? So it's the, well, in my books, it's the quiet ones you have to worry about. If anybody's uh, read it, that's sorry. There's the outline and then what he's going to do. And he's going to do what he's going to do. And it doesn't matter what I want him to do. <laughs> it's, he, he just goes and, and yeah. So if a yeah. book goes in a direction you don't expect, it's his fault. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, at least you know who to blame. So Yeah. All the blame. Well, I can't put all the blame there. He's not the only character who doesn't like <laughs> takes the outline and sets it on fire and walks off and does their own thing. There's, yeah. They all do it. Yeah. <laughs> not one of them will listen to me. I'm not the god of their world, which no. annoys me. But yeah. what are you going to do? No, I know. Yeah, I, maybe they know better than us. I don't know. Sometimes they do. Like I have to say, like there's a couple of books that just, yeah, that just went way off the rails, and it. I think they were much better than what I was gonna do. Um, some of them just went so far off the rails that we had to do additional books to get back to where I. I'm still trying to get back to the one thing I wanted him to do since book one. He's he's just stubbornly refusing. <laughs> But we're not here to talk about him. I could spend all day and I can do that. Another podcast. We're here to talk about the, we're here to talk about Jack's book. So, right. <laughs> so you said there's six books. So yeah. the first one we're looking for, it sounds like Anuka's dead and there's some other plots going on. What are yeah. we doing? Um, the first three books. So it's three books with a break. And then three books. The first three books deal mainly with with these three characters and um, with Anuka's struggles to to find his dad. And it's he, kind of his his arc or his idea is the world is really tense and there's a war about to break out and things are really bad. People are hungry and there's revolt brewing. He doesn't care about any of that. All he wants to do is find his dad. But no matter what he does, he keeps getting tripped up in these problems. And he's like, fine, let's solve this problem. Then you can help me find my dad. And so that's kind of his cycle, um, at least in the first book. But he, he's, um, yeah, he's a reluctant hero, I guess you would call him. Those are my favorite kinds. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I discovered writing these two books um is it this subliminal underneath um i you know i write what i like but i i've discovered that some of the things in these characters is really kind of me dealing with stuff and i let these people that are removed from myself sort of hash out these things that i'm dealing with and that's very therapeutic and i like to read that way too uh, i find books that i read i'm like okay the, one that, the ones that I really like, I'm like, okay, I know why I like this book now. Because having written a similar book, yeah, I can see those patterns and those things. I'm like, okay, that's those are my tropes. So. Yeah, we, we all have our favorite. What are your favorites? What, are, what tropes are we going to find in your books? Uh, you'll find uh, Found Family. That's, that's a big one that I didn't intentionally... I didn't kind of follow the convention to intentionally write these tropes. That's just sort of what emerged. And it kind of came from, 
you know, growing up, I had my own tribe. I had a, a group of people that I played D and D with and we did everything together and we were very different in our backgrounds, the social, economic, and all those things. And we just sort of found one another and, and it was very good for all of us. So those things kind of emerge. Um, there is, I wanted to do an, <laughs> an awkward, um, an awkward relationship arc, like a love story arc over the three books that it's just, it doesn't go the way that you would expect. So you, you couldn't take this arc and write a, a romance novel from it. It's not like that. It's, it's, it's two people that, that are trying to not be together, but they can't, you know, they just keep finding themselves in these situations and it, and they, you know, you have the define the relationship moment. They, they never want to do that. So they just kind of ignore it. And uh, Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So you, everybody wants them, you say you, you the, the reader wants them to get together and they're just like, not. Yeah. 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 They're and like, but now nah, we got better things to do. Maybe. Yeah. And they have these ideas of like, I would be so bad for her. There's no way we could have a relationship because of, these things and then you have her saying there's no way you know i would ruin his life if he knew all these things so it, it, you have some of that dynamic going on and they're just they just need to sit down and talk but there's no time because the world's on fire and all this bad stuff's happening and uh you know well, the world's always on fire like there's always like, something happening yeah yeah um if it, if it didn't, it wouldn't be any fun to read, but yeah. So probably my favorite book that I've read as a young person was Homeland by R.A. Salvatore. And that's set in the Dungeons and Dragons world. And it is, um, it's, it's a father son story. Mm -hmm. And that, that element was been really, I lost my dad when I was younger. I was about nine years old. Um, so I didn't realize that that was a, a thing for me. I didn't realize that I would, I would look for those types of relationships and stories uh, in things that I would read. But for me, there was always fascinating this kind of this father son dynamic in a fantasy setting. So, yeah, I write about that too. I did not lose my father. <laughs> He's yeah. very much alive and driving me nuts to this day. Uh, <laughs> well, <good. laughs> As it should be. Yeah. Oh, he, you know, he, he outsources his worry to his children. Now he used oh. to be a worry word. Now he's just, so he, right, he had surgery yesterday. Uh, so he call so he would call up and, and load all of his worry about the surgery and stuff. And then I can't sleep and I've got work the next day. And yeah. he, I talked to him after surgery and he, it's like, like, it never happened. Like there was never a worry in his mind. And I'm like, are you the same person that I was talking to? <laughs> like, <laughs> He unburdened, so yeah, like, thanks for a sleepless night, and now you're you're good. <laughs> yeah, and and before I flew on internationally for the first time, like just he would just like point out every time a plane had a problem until I was a nervous wreck to fly, you know. Yeah. <sighs> oh well, that's a yeah. Good. That's why we have parents. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, we're destined to become them. Uh, I never believed that until I have two adult children. So I'm like, huh, I'm becoming oh. them. And, uh, yeah, they're becoming me. So 
I don't have any kids, so I did not. We didn't complete the circle. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll. I'm gonna watch and see if my uh, my brother and his son complete that circle because I ain't. Yeah. <laughs> I broke that one. I was like, mm, no, I'm not gonna do this to the next generation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it sounds like a Michael McDonald song in the making, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, you, how do we break that, that cycle? And, and that's these stories in these books. That's all it is too. It, it's people in the same crazy cycles, just repeating their same problems and over and over and until they get some perspective and then they look yeah. at it and say, Oh, you know, something changes. And yeah. That's the fun part though. Yeah, no, it's awesome that, you know, you, we want in life and and in fiction, you know, we, we want change, but change is not always easy. Sometimes yeah. it's hard, you know. Yeah, we wouldn't read a book about somebody having just a normal day and everything going just kind of like it normally does. It wouldn't be any fun, but that's kind of what we want in our own lives. Yeah. Know? And then when we don't get it, we're like, we're all off kilter because we're like, <laughs> I mean, yes, we are all the, the star of our own stories, but we don't want to live the kind of stories that we read about because yeah. they're they're not fun. They're dangerous, you right. know, and and there's lots of risk and also reward. Like we're like, we don't want that. <laughs> yeah. My wife is is um, key in my editing process. She she doesn't read fantasy at all. Mm -hmm. So when something is amiss, it's very easy for her to see it. And I figured out what I do when I read somebody else's fantasy, if they make a misstep somewhere, I just fill in the blanks and keep going. She doesn't do that. So it's, it's very helpful um, because she's able to, to kind of see those things and, and help make them better. But, uh, and just to, to point out um in those areas where it's like, this doesn't make sense. This feels wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, do something different. So, uh, and how I, can you have that? Yes. She's, have she's like phenomenal. That. She's, she's brilliant. And she's a dentist by trade, but she probably would have been an English teacher otherwise. And she's, she's phenomenal. Wow. Um, yeah. So yeah, very fortunate. She, she's fantastic. Um, but she always is like, why do you torture these poor characters this way? I'm like, cause that's, that's fun. That's what, <laughs> that's what I want to read. So. And it's, it's, that's what you want to read. You want conflict. You want the crazy, not in yeah. your life. You want it in somebody else's life. So you can live vicariously through them, exactly. you know? Yeah. Safely. I can sit, yes. you know, I can sit in a the theater and watch, you know, Batman do whatever. And I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I'm going to go home tonight. So. Yeah. yeah. No. And that's, that's, it's so true. It's because we wouldn't enjoy it if it happened to us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can look at the kind of, things that we consume, the books we read, the movies we watch, those kind of things. And, and <laughs> I don't know what, but we learn a lot about ourselves. Because, um, you know, if you, you have these things now, like, well, I've got Goodreads. I can go and see every book I've ever read if I want to put it up there. Or, uh, you know, you can go out on Vudu and see all these movies you own. And you're like, 
why do I like these particular movies? What is it about? <laughs> <laughs> but if I have two hours or two and a half hours at home and I can do something kind of passively, I'll put on, uh, you know, the Henry Cavill Superman movie. I'll, I'll put that on in the background or I'll put on Iron Man 3 and I just know it and it's very comfortable and I can do other things and all that. And it's like, yeah, those hit some beats for me, I guess. Yeah. I oh, I'm not a big fan of the Henry Cavill Superman. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Yeah. Those were not my favorite Superman movies. I grew up on the Christopher Reeves one. And yeah. like he will always be Superman to me. Yeah. Yeah. I liked I like Zack Snyder usually. So I like some of the things that, that they did with uh, the visuals. But yeah. Christopher Reeve is Superman. Michael Keaton is my Batman. So uh, I, I think I'm maybe in the minority on that. I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed his Batman and I enjoyed um, the Penguin. Yeah. I know some people don't like that that no. particular Batman movie, but that was one of my favorites. It yeah. might have been just because when it came out, I was the right age to actually mm. enjoy it. I'm not, that, that might play into some of my... Um, some of the reasons why I like some of these is I was just the right age when it came out to really fall in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. Danny you know? DeVito was brilliant. That was, I, I just that was I loved good. it. I loved it. And, yeah. and I think that's sort of my issue with, with star Wars is like the original one came out. I was too young to, to like it. Yeah. I watched it, you know, growing up because it was, it was everywhere. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the first one came out in 79. I was born in 80. And, you know, I was really little through most of, like, the Star Wars things. I, I saw them, and I liked them, but, like, I was never super into it. And yeah. then in the 2000s, when I was in, like, college and stuff, the next group of Star Wars came out, and they were aimed at, like, younger people. Like, so it was always, like, the wrong age group for it. Yeah. Um, I, had a, I have a cousin who's the same age as me and star Wars has a really big place in my heart because we played with the action figures. He would come for a week or two every summer and then I would go back to Virginia with him. And so we'd spend like a month together every year and it was phenomenal. And we played, I played with the figures before I ever saw a movie. So then I was hooked from the figures and then I watched the movies and it was a really big impression. And then when the second set of movies were coming out, I was having kids, so I bought figures for them. And when they grew up, they played with the figures and loved the movies and all that. So I think you're exactly right. Timing is so important. Yeah. There's some classic movies that people are like, "Wow, this is wonderful!" And I watch it, and I'm like, mm, "I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know what the what's yeah. the big deal." Uh, but it's it's it is timing. It's and I think it. some of that, like some some movies, like, you can see them later when you're the right age and you can really appreciate them and yeah. enjoy them and it, that works for movies that target older audiences or when they target younger audiences once you're past that age like sometimes it's hard to get into at least it was for me like i missed yeah. a lot of things that way yeah. and there were a lot of things that i just hit at the right time because i was the i was the target age you know yeah i have friends who are like i can't believe You've never watched the series Lost. 
And I'm like, it came out at a time when I wasn't watching much TV and I didn't, I missed it. I lived in Alaska for three and a half years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So everything is different there. It is like living on another planet, sort of. So it just happened and I missed it. And now I'm like, I don't want to dedicate all that time. You know, that's a, that's a big chunk of time. I'm too busy. So I don't know. Maybe one day I'll watch Lost, but. Uh, all my nerdy friends are like, man, it's got everybody in it, and it's JJ, and it's great. And I'm like, yeah. Oh. So. I mean, <laughs> I watched some of Lost because I was the right age for that, but after a while, it it kind of lost the plot. Yeah. It just was like, okay, let's. I think there was a writer strike in the middle of all that. I mm. I feel like I I'm not 100 percent sure, but I feel like there was a writer strike at, around when some of lost was on, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I just, I remember there being something like that. Yeah. And a lot of the old shows that I grew up on, it's kind of sad because you see this trajectory where they just skyrocket and then they just sort of, you know, they, they sort of go down hill and they always run one season too long. And, yeah. and that's kind of sad. <laughs> so, yeah. Because you know, money, money's involved. So that's true. Whenever money is involved, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of, yeah. There's just you, you I, but but money's also can be a good thing. I mean, I got I, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and we got uh-huh. the phenomenal Peter Jackson movies. I know yes. that people there's some people who hate them. I was the I was the target age. They were yep. they were made for me, and I loved them. So. <laughs> yeah. There shall be no hate on them here. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm four years older than you. And mm-hmm. it hit just right for me too. Um, I had just actually just read the, the whole the trilogy and the Hobbit. I'd read that all like a year before they announced that they were coming out. So it's like, okay, this, this could be all right. Um, and it was phenomenal. I, I love I, it too. I have to admit that I had never heard of the Lord of the Rings uh, mm-hmm. and or the Hobbit until uh the i saw the trailers for the movie i meant to read it before it all came out because I, I prefer to read the book and then see the movie yeah. uh but i it it came out when i was in college i think you know in 2001 so i was a uh junior in college and i didn't i didn't read it first i ended up seeing the movie first and that was my first introduction to tolkien to the lord of the rings to all of that and then i went and read it afterwards the whole trilogy i didn't read the hobbit until years later when before the hobbit came out because i didn't Mm. realize there was anything else (laughs) (laughs) i'm not good i'm not good at finding out other books by authors i'm sorry (laughs) i've gotten better i've gotten better at this but i do have to say that i didn't know about or i don't know if i didn't know or if i just wasn't interested in it i'm not sure because like i didn't read the hobbit until the before that but i did read it before the movie and i got the audiobook and um it was fun I don't know why I didn't read it before that, but I didn't. And I only read the Silmarillion um, last year uh, yeah. because I was on TikTok and I fell into it. I found Tolkien talk and I just, I went on TikTok to, you know, do the book thing and find readers and end up just like on Tolkien talk all the time, <laughs> talking to people, talking about the Lord of the Rings, like not doing anything related to why I started the TikTok account. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but isn't that the beauty of adaptations? And it, that's why I try not to be yeah. too hard on adaptations because it exposes something good to a different generation of people. 
Um, not a not a big fan of the Wheel of Time show, but it got a lot of people to read the Wheel of Time, uh, which I enjoyed. I, I actually read it two, three years ago. Read the whole series in one year oh. with a friend. So that was it was a marathon. Um, on the whole, I really enjoyed the series. So when the book, when the TV show came out, I thought mm, it could go either way. Um, and even though it's neat and you know it yeah. looks nice, they put some production value into it. Um, it's not my favorite, but there's some people who have picked up the series because of it. And um, talking with Michael and Kate about it, they uh, they're like, yeah. Audiobooks went through the roof. That was the first big series that they did. And they're like, yeah, we, we got called by tour and we've done some things. And they did kind of a, when we visited with uh, Michael Kramer and Kate Redding, she was in the middle of doing the narration for the kind of the, the big uh, expository thing that they had where they tell about you know all the lore and all this different stuff and they go into the world and and the wheel of time and all these things she was doing the the, the glossary for that oh wow yeah so I, she was about to pull her hair out but i didn't watch it on amazon prime uh i only i read up to book eight in the wheel of time and then i threw I got through high half or three quarters of book eight and I threw it against a wall. I was so annoyed with the series. Yep. So I have not actually read the rest of the wheel of time and I've had no interest. in it. Yeah. I was just so angry that for like three books, there was like nothing happening. It was just, they were so, I don't know. I just really wasn't enjoying that. There wasn't, it was just, it was all description and arguing and, and the, the way he, um, the way he dealt with like female characters really started to like get to me. And I was like, I just, I can't, I, I'm sure some people love this, but it is not for me. So I would have stalled out in the same place, except for the guy that I was reading them with, um, had read it five or six times. And he started reading when they came out in 1990 and, and followed each one and was just a super fan. And he, he encouraged me. He's like, this is from now until the end of 10, or nine or 10 is going to be hard. And there are going to be a lot of things, you know, so much of the Aes Sedai in it and stuff you don't care about and, and things that are not really well done, but let's just press through it. Yeah. And we did. And it was kind of redeemed for me with uh, Jordan's last book. And then Sanderson took over and I really enjoyed the last three books. Um, so that was, it was a happy ending for the series, but had, things continued on the way they were in eight, I would have never, and I don't, I don't shame anybody for putting them yeah. down there because most people, a lot of people do. Um, if you go that, to have price was, books, you yeah. can find books eight and nine and 10 always there. Yeah. They're the eight, five through eight were not good. One yeah. through four was, I loved those. Yeah. I still have those somewhere. Yeah. Um, those I've reread. I love them. I just don't go beyond that because I just don't like it. I'm sure I. I've got the I've, 14 hardbacks behind me. I collected oh. them from half price books. I was making sure wow. they're back there, but I just I wanted to have them, and yeah. I didn't want to pay retail for them. So no, I, I that's that's a wise decision. Yeah. Um, they look pretty together. 
they do and i've seen i've seen ones that are even prettier that have like some flowing yeah. design across the spines yeah like a big um, dragon yeah really i've cool. seen that too did not tempt me to pick it up again i don't yeah. believe that there's any dragons or any cool stuff past you know <laughs> i you know 5dh just killed it for me like yeah. if there was anything cool in the world it snuffed it out so. yeah and uh, you know the only thing you might enjoy is to only read 12 13 and 14 because that is pretty much nonstop stuff happening. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I don't need stuff happening every single page. Like, yeah. I need, like, there needs to be, like, you feel like the story's going somewhere. Yeah. And books That's five through eight, it just, it felt like we were in neutral or mm -hmm. in park at times. We were just not, like, they're sitting around having tea. And it just seemed like that's all we were doing. Like, nothing else was going on. There was all this, like exposition and like description and and world building and but it wasn't cool it wasn't interesting and it wasn't going anywhere and like yeah. that just started to get to me um and I, i've heard the brandon sanderson books that the ones that he wrote are excellent um i've not read um the stormlight archive or any of his epic fantasy i have read his superhero series and mm -hmm. um the first two were great that was mm -hmm. steelheart and i forgot the name of the other and the um i read but like i love superhero books and he didn't like the first two were good the first one was excellent the second yeah. one was good it, it had some things in it that i was like this is not wait we we were going in a different direction in book one like mm. what's going on here and then in book three they're just standing around like for most of the book and like nothing it, it was just it was very a very much a letdown and i've not tried any of others his other books after that like because that was like mm -hmm. my favorite thing and it like fumbled at the end and i was like it's i'm not i'm like i don't know like i i at some point i need to give it another another go and try some of his other things but just that it was such a fumble and and it was my favorite tropes that were being fumbled that i was mm. like and there's so much good stuff out there. And that's what yeah. makes it really hard. Because you're like, you know, I could really bear down and read this book. But why? There's so that's many it. good things out there. I, yeah. You know, I, I did like power through that that third book in the... In the, the, the record. The, yeah. And it was just... It was just... And I heard later that like he 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 said that that's not one of his better books. And, yeah. uh, you know, there were other things going on. And, and like... They get it. But mm -hmm. like, you know, these are my favorite things. And it just feels like you didn't like I gave you my trust and you kind of betrayed it. You dropped the ball. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Uh, yeah. You know, we talked a little bit about money, but it, it can cause like some of the stuff that I've read about Robert Jordan is the success of the first four books. He had them all written and they really caught on and were doing really well. And he kind of pumped the brakes on the series a little and wrote some of the stuff he wanted to do and expound on things a little more because he thought he had forever. And uh, it's, a, it's a sad thing that he, he died before he could finish them all. But um, he really felt like I can just keep doing, doing this forever and keep getting paid. And, and I'm only 48. I need to spread this out a little. And I think I see a lot of authors, like I see the way Rothfuss has handled the King Killer series. Uh, I, I'm so angry about I know. that. I read the first one when it first came out and I liked it. I read <laughs> yeah, the second one. And it's then right. like, I'm like, the second one I didn't like as much. Like it that felt like, okay. it felt like there was a lot of like, adding a lot of extra, like, 
it felt like we were, it just didn't feel like it was going anywhere. I was starting to yeah. feel like I was back in like book eight of the wheel of time. We're going mm-hmm. nowhere that we've gone nowhere. Cause it was such a long book. It felt like we we're just, we're not going anywhere. Like the whole thing installed the frame story had become very interesting and there was barely any of it in there. And yeah. we were just back with him. Like, I don't in the past in this YA, like, you know, whole thing about him. He was in a school for magic, but it wasn't cool. It wasn't interesting. It was like, I was so annoyed by that. I was like, you're learning magic and it's boring. Yeah. You know, you're chasing girls and playing at taverns and we're spending chapters and chapters on this. And there's nothing about like the magic or there's, I just, I felt like it was like stringing me along. So I just, at that, after I finished it, I'm like, I'm not reading any more of him. So I've not read the novella. I have... I don't care if he ever finishes the trilogy. I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. And I got into Jim Butcher and the Dresden Files. Oh, yeah. I've read them, too. (laughs) I really loved it. And then it got to a point where it's like, oh, we're going to go five or six years without a book. And and I'm just like, and I realized that no author owes me anything. But they kind of do. (laughs) Yeah. No, I agree. I read Dresden up to... uh, the uh the one uh was it 12 or or 11 um and like i loved it when it first started like Mm -hmm. i i love anything that's like detective and magic and like just take my money and give me the book that's i love that i'm like super i love that big fan and then it started to be not that anymore Mm -hmm. he was not helping people that he was doing stuff for the winter court and it was weird and there was all this weird sexual tension that i was not here for it's like this is not a romance book and it was starting to have like serious vibes like it might be headed in that direction and then a lot of the and then he died and that book was kind of it was weird it was kind of fun Uh, it was like ghost story Mm -hmm. and then and then he comes back and he's like overpowered and Mm -hmm like angry and weird and all his all the sub all the characters that of his friends and stuff like in that time like had all like had personality adjustments and they were all like really horrible like just like every annoying like like thing ever and i was like okay i'm done this it sounds it it was feeling it was giving like i don't know if you read douglas adams like as you Mm -hmm. as you go further in the hitchhiker's guide it was giving i don't want to write this anymore like i need to kill off all of them on all of the earths ever so i can stop (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating as readers and you can kind of understand and empathize, but at the same time, it's like, oh, this is so hard. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you my, my Brandon Sanderson stormlight archive spiel because based on what you've told me, yeah. this might be useful. They're so huge. These are tomes. Yeah. That also kind of, scares me i'm like what if i don't like it and i can't get through it and what if this is another like wheel of time (laughs) well here here is the here's the skinny on it and this will either get you interested or this will completely turn you off you read these big sections and you're like i don't really care like i kind of care about the character i'm invested but i don't care about all this weird stuff that they're doing that doesn't have anything to do with the story right finish the book read the second book and you're like oh Oh, the weird thing. Oh, that has a lot to do with the story. Oh, great. Now I got to go back and read the first book because I skimmed the weird thing. And there's a lot of that because like the first book is Kaladin's book. And then you have Shallan's book and then you have Dalinar's book and all that. So you have these arcs. The other characters are there and they're doing things. 
And this, what I think Brandon Sanderson does so well is this sleight of hand where he has you looking here at this thing. And then all of a sudden off screen, boom, just something comes and you're like, oh, that's brilliant. I didn't see that coming. Good job. It was there all along and I just missed it. So that's for me, that's kind of the payoff for the Stormlight. That's why I read a 460,000 word book, because I know that Sanderlanch is coming. At the end, everything is going to fall together, and I'm going to be like, wow, this is really good. But is it, like, interesting in the lead-up to the Sanderlanch, or is it like you're bored out of your mind, and then you get, like, the explosion of cool things, and you're just waiting for that, like, last couple of chapters that are really good? Because, like, eh. No, it's it's not. You're not bored out of your mind. Okay. What he, what he does a lot is like. So it's interesting. It's it's it cool stuff. It's in, as long as it's cool and interesting. Like I'm I'm in it. If it's like we're sitting around having tea, pulling our hair, and you know we're we're have pages and pages on grass blades and the, yeah, the, the just the, 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 what their tea looks like and yeah. plates and every last little detail. Like we're we're dragging out the story because we've decided we have to fill four hundred thousand words, not because there is four hundred thousand words worth of story. If yeah. there is, like that, I'm like good with it. Um, yeah. I don't mind long books as long as there's like it, it, there's a point to it all. So. The character that I hear a lot of people, and unfortunately, a lot of times it's it's males that I talk to. They're like, Shalon gets on my nerves so bad. And she does this, and it's aggravating, and, she, and all these things. But then after a few minutes, you're like, yeah, but you know everything about this character. You're very, you're very invested in this character, even though she's annoying to you. Right. And... Um, the series is really focuses on mental health stuff. So each of the main, each of the characters have different mental health issues that are prevalent, and they're I think they're done pretty well in the series. And that's kind of that that was the point. He did that on purpose. Mm -hmm. So when you know that, you kind of like okay, I understand. You know, Salon has issues with personality. She she has identity issues. She didn't know what she's supposed to be. You know, she's yeah, she's she is she is crazy and annoying, but um, you can't say that you're not invested in the character. No, and some that, people love her. It's, it's it hits perfectly for some folks. And that's like, that's cool. Like, I like when you have when there's characters and you could feel a certain way about them. Kaladin is the one that most of the people that I that I know really resonate with because he's the cavalier, he's the hero, he's the the guy you want to root for. So you have that market of you know people mm. that that are really invested in him. So yeah, it's it's not boring. There's a lot of it, but sometimes you're like, why do I need all this information? Mm. But he doesn't waste a lot. So that's that's my two cents on. The Brando Sando, at least as far as Stormlight goes. No, so I mean, it's 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 on the list to someday check out. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's on there. There's a whole. There's it's. I have a long TBR. Yeah. Um, there's many many books that I'm interested in. Um, your book is on the TBR. I haven't gotten Yay. to it yet. Um, <laughs> they, they will get to it at some point. Um, it's just with the inflation and everything, it just can't spend as much on audiobooks as I used to. Yeah. Used to buy one a day, but like I kind of can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah. You know, unless unless they have a sale. If there's a sale, then I could buy a whole bunch. But then you're limited yeah. to like what's in the sale. So yeah, my best friend. <laughs> he bought thirty five on the last sale when they were seventy to eighty five percent off. Mm-hmm. He spent like one hundred and fifteen bucks and bought thirty five audiobooks. I think I bought uh, seven. Yeah, uh, I bought a few, but I didn't buy thirty five. But we we read stuff I used, together. So. Yeah. I used to buy like a hundred audiobooks in a like in in one clip. Um because yeah. you used to be able to get you used to be able to um buy a, a year thing. They, they Amazon changed things a lot, but when I first joined Audible, like you'd have your plan, but if you wanted more credits, you could just buy another thing and like you're still were monthly, but you could get all the credits at once and you could get like deals on them. So I would do that. And then yeah. I would just blow all the credits when I was done with those books, buy another thing. And it was cheap. It was, it was not, it was not expensive. Like it wasn't yeah. like prohibitively expensive to do that. So every quarter you could, and, and they didn't care. They were like, encouraged people to buy blocks of credits. Yeah. If you didn't, it wasn't this like, you can do only three and sometimes audible doesn't now doesn't give me the option to buy three yeah. more. It's like before Amazon bought it, like it was a totally different place. <laughs> yeah. It was, you, you, it was so much. Yeah. I don't know how it was for like authors on there, but for listeners, yeah, it was a total different thing and it was so much easier to get lots of credits and, and spend them. And, and it was fun. Yeah. I mean, for like a hundred bucks, you could get a year's worth of credits, and then you yes, that would let me like I bought the a whole like the Harry Potter series. I bought them all in one go because I've yep. got a, a bank of yeah, the good old days. I've done that. I bought whole series on them, and then that was done. Bought another year thing, and they didn't care, you know. Yeah. And like you still got charged every month, and mm-hmm. you know because you were because you had the the monthly plan, but then you could buy that extra a bunch of credits it was yeah i i, I miss those days but that's when the sales were few and far between so your only way to get books was to either pay full price which nobody wants to do or mm. get a or hey give me six months worth of credits right now i'll pay yep. you for it you know yeah and that's now they have a sale like they chain them together they alternate yeah. between the two for one and the you know half off but it's the ones that they offer the half off for I never, I rarely do that because I'm like, mm, maybe I would like this, but I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to buy it. You know, it's still 12 bucks or nine yeah, bucks or whatever. Yeah. So my, my rule of thumb is um, it has to be, so a credit, what I pay, it has to be less. So what I, I well, I'm not going to, all right. I wasn't going to tell you what I pay for a credit because I've had been with Audible for a long time. And like mm-hmm. what I pay for a credit is not what anybody else is paying. So mm-hmm. I took out my took out the subscription in 2010 and I've never I've never let it go. I've never lapsed it. So um like I only pay about like eight bucks for a credit. That's so good. I if I have to buy extra credits, those are, you know, whatever the going rate is. I don't get any sort of discount on that, yeah. even though I've been a member for over 10 years. The um, So it, I look at it like that. Like, so I, it be, I've always looked at it as like if it was less than $10, pay cash. If yeah. it's more than 10 use a credit because then it's yeah. saving you something. So um, that's the way I've always looked at it. I did. I have picked up over the years, like many, like good bucks in like five dollar sales that they have or like the those are those are always those those they were so infrequent that you know i'd end up buying like 100 books or something when they do the five dollar sale just go through it anything that was like fantasy or science fiction or 
you know, um, a thriller, just, 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 I would just buy all of them, just add them all to the cart. And there we go. We've got several months worth of listening right there. So I'm very fortunate that I, this year I've really cranked, cranked up the pressure on my TBR. And I, I think I read six books in two weeks, which is phenomenal for me, but um, yeah, I'm at like 28 on the year and it's, that's a good clip because I just almost quit reading when I started writing and that was bad. Um, so I, I, I read everything too. Um, let's see, I, I think I'm reading a, a commentary, a biblical commentary right now. And then I'm reading, I think the fourth wing by Rebecca Yaros. Oh. So that's pretty diverse, you know, yeah, b- yeah. band of stuff. So, but I just get tired of everybody talking about that on, TikTok. I'm like, fine, I'll get it. I'll read it. I'll see, uh, see if it's any good. So I've heard it doesn't live up to the hype. It's really not that great. So yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't particularly interested in it. I've, all I've seen is like people's takes on it. And I was not really interested in it from the get go. It's it. I don't know. It was giving me the vibes of something else that I read that I didn't like. And I was like, mm, I'm feeling like this might be in the same vein and we should probably stay away. Um, I just finished Centers of Gravity by Marco Kluse. That's mm. a sci-fi. I'm a humongous fan of anything military, especially oh, military okay. sci-fi. So whenever those come up on sale, I'm like, add all two cards. Um, <laughs> they're... I, there's something about them. I don't know. I never served in the military, but maybe in a past life I did because I just can't pass off any sort of book that has a connection to that yeah <laughs> it's like insta purchase for me nice. um yeah and that was book seven i think in the series um and it was a good it was a good finish it was a good finish it was a very satisfying end so they didn't defeat the lankies though so uh. but i feel like the series is over because the main character was wounded so badly that he had to retire from the military so i'm like mm. oh man and his wife also um so we can so i'm like okay but they had a child so there could be a sequel series featuring the daughter there's still hope because we have not defeated the lankies which is these big aliens but um but they found this like cool substance um in in invading one of their worlds um when they were lost in some 900 light years from earth it was just it was wild it was it was a really good end but i hope that's not the last like book in in the in that world or that series but we'll see yeah that's that's another strange thing because people are are either open-ended series is fine or i have to have i won't start a series until all the books in the series are written and my wife is kind of that way she'll wait and she'll get five, six, seven books, and then read them all in, you know, binge them all. Uh, and I'm kind of, I, either way, I don't care. I just kind of. I, I like I when know. there's like going to be a book every year. Like, so I've invested yes. in a lot of series that are like, I love the Undying Mercenaries, which I think just put out book 20. I hope it never ends. Mm. If you're listening, B.B. Larson, please never end the series <laughs> ever. You're writing it for me and I love it. And please keep doing it. I will keep giving you credits for it. <laughs> I love the series so much. Um, I love, I love when you can find a series that there's a new book out every year or some or whatever the time frame is just because then it like there's a guaranteed spot on it on the on the tv it is on the priority tbr it is on the as soon as it shows up on audible it is in my phone i am going to listen to it immediately um just just knowing that like certain 
that, you know, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's spring and, oh, I, you know, these certain authors always yep. put out the next book in this series, in their series, in this area. And, and like, I just, I like knowing that there's like fixed items, like fixed series that I can like, just look at every couple of months. Did anything new in this? And did the next one go up for pre-order? Like, you know. Can I at least read the blurb if I can't listen to the darn thing to find out what's coming, <laughs> you know, and plan out, you know, when I'm going to listen to it. Um, I get a little crazy about my favorite series. <laughs> they used to be Dresden for me. And then it, it was so for erratic. me too. I mean, I would just, it's like April and then it was August, but one of those two, a new Dresden book was going to drop yes. and then they didn't. And then they were, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but a, a lot of, uh, but then also the pandemic screwed up a lot of things too. Like the yeah. the Gene Yellow Rock book, the next one got like pushed off for a long ways, <laughs> and and other series. And I th and I fell into some indie author series that were not affected by the you know the pandemic yeah. and the because they're not dealing with like the the realities that the traditional publishing world was dealing with at that time. They're not print first. Mm -hmm. You know, many indie authors on Audible are Audible first. Yeah. You know, or ebook and Audible first, and so. There were still books so that was that was pretty awesome yeah. it's hard to tell on audible who's indian who's not so some mm -hmm. of these people i didn't know until they posted in like in in, in 20 books at 50k there's a big indie author group i was like oh my i had no idea very cool <laughs> i was on audible the other day and they you know they have the ribbons like oh you yeah might like these thrillers or whatever they had an indie author section oh never i've seen not seen that, that. before no, it was cool. That. And it was, I mean, it was like Craig Martell and, and Jamie Castle and, and, and some of those people that I would recognize, but a lot that I didn't. Um, yeah. And some people that I didn't know were indie. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's really I've read cool. one Craig Martell book. It was good. It yeah. was very short. And it, it wasn't. I wondered about that. It, it left, it, it was too short though. Like, like I'm sure it's fine for his own fans, but like I, I came from reading like a lot of traditionally published books, which are 90 to 120,000 words yeah. or a nine, you know, eight, nine hour audio book to a 12 or 13 hour audio book. Hmm. And this was three hours hmm. or three or three, three to five hours. I don't remember exactly what. So it was a story, but like, there wasn't there wasn't like the subplots that I'm used to and that kind of thing. And it only hit like one or two of the tropes that are usually mm. in those kinds of stories. And like I liked it. It was really well written. It was a really good story. But like I didn't I felt like I would be like it, I just I it wanted more from it for my credit. So I was like, we'll leave this aside. And when we have more money and can and don't mind spending it on like shorter books, we'll come back to it. Um, same thing with, um, uh, was it Mark Dawson? Mm -hmm. I read, uh, cause I love thrillers and mm -hmm. he does first person shooter, um, and you know, like Vince Flynn and, and other, um, yeah. And so it was you good, read the cleaner? but the same, it, it was good, but it uh -huh. just, it just left me wanting more. It was missing some of the things that I, that I, I was used to getting. Cause yeah. like I said, I came from listening to traditional audiobooks, and they're much longer and have much more like subplots. There's much more twists and turns. Like I love the Gray Man series. Yeah, Those books are 12, 13 hours. Yeah. And they're like, there's so many twists and turns. And like, this felt like it was too straightforward. Like I could guess a lot of things before they happen. I don't like that. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's hilarious. I just finished the cleaner like two weeks ago and had the same experience. I'm like, this missed some of the beats that I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And it was a little bit short. 
And uh, I read uh, Craig Martell's uh, Guys with Guns book too, like his first one in that series. And uh, I've been reading a lot of those this year. I've been reading the Mark Greeny and the Red Jack Carr. Oh, I love Vince Mark Greeny. Brad Thor. Oh, I read yeah. some of his stuff. I'm not as uh, big a fan of Brad Thor. Like his, no. some of his books hit. Some of them yeah. are, are misses. They just miss the like. There's things that you want from that kind of story, and it for somehow it, it, he just misses all of them. You know, yep. and and you just feel it leaves you unsatisfied. So um he's he's not one of my go-to's because you're never it's you're never sure if you're going to get what you're looking for yeah i just started this process and i i want to write some of this and i have written some of this type of stuff so i I as like well i want to read a bunch of these authors Mm. and i read brad thor and i was like okay and then i read uh, american assassin i'm like oh i might i might stay here a while this was good so i'm in the middle of the second book now the gray man was great i read all of them (laughs) i'm on the third one so i'm working my way this that's what i bought in the last audible sale was i bought some gray man and i bought some more vince flint um David Baldacci has a, um, I love them. He has a, um, a, it's two shooters and they're, they're trying to, the government has them like investigating things. They're, they're, they're like, they're like the gray man. They're like hitmen. Mm-hmm. So it's a guy and a girl and they're, uh, she's a sharpshooter and like, he's used to like, they're used to like espionage missions and they're being yeah. sent to like investigate like internal stuff. And they're mm-hmm. like, we're not investigators. It is. I love It's so great because they're, the, the whole time, like, this is not what we do. And they're having to, like, think differently and act differently. And at some point, they're just like, screw it. This is not what we do. We're going to do this the way that we would handle this if this was the our kind of mission. <laughs> and things go way off the rails. Nice. Um, those are, that was, those are fun books, too. I'll have to um, check that out. That sounds, that sounds right up my alley. So. Yeah. It, I'm trying to remember the, I read. I've read so many. Books. I have three thousand audiobooks on Audible, and I've listened to. Uh, I think there's only seventy of them I haven't listened to yet. Wow. Um, really, <laughs> but, but I've been a member since 2010. So yeah. it's um, been that over 13 years. It's a little less. Yeah. But still, I mean, that's one a day. You know, one kind of almost. Uh, that's what I was doing because before the so pandemic, cool. I was commuting five days a week mm. and I had, you know, a long commute that I needed to be entertained for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's, I did not know that you like those kinds of things. So oh, we'll yeah. have to try some, some sure. stuff. So that's I, really cool. I love action packed books. I'm, I'm, I've, I've often asked, I haven't asked recently, but I've, I've asked in various groups for like recommendations because I'm not, I'm okay if there's like a romantic subplot as long as it's like not important and like yeah. we're not going to see too much of it. Like mm-hmm. that's okay if it's off to the side, close the door. I don't, you know, or if it's just a few paragraphs like here and there. Okay, I'm cool. But like as long as the focus is not on that, but on the relationships with other people who are not in a romance, like friendships mm-hmm. or like your squad mates or your unit or yeah, like that I love, like that kind of thing or like the found yeah. family and the, the unit relationships and like love it um nice that's my bag <laughs> that's my jam um i'm eventually gonna write military sci-fi because i like i absolutely love yeah, it but, awesome that's excellent it, i also like hard science fiction so it would be have mm. to be like hard science fiction um military fantasy and like so i also love listening to like physics books like i'm i'm weird mm-hmm. i'm so weird <laughs> 
So like uh, Andy Weir would that I've read The Martian. I have mm -hmm. I read the second book that he put out. I did not like it at all. I've not read Hail Mary because I Mary. absolutely loathe the book that came out after The Martian. It was it Artemis? was or was that yeah, before? I think it was Artemis. Okay. I hated that book. It is not a good book. It. Okay. It there's so many things like you might like it. I didn't like it. The the it it was it was that sort of situation. He was trying to write um, for, uh, somebody of a certain culture, but he is a straight white dude. Mm -hmm. And like it, the whole work. thing just left, it, it just left a hole. And, and he wrote it as, and he did the thing that I hate most. If you're going to write from a perspective that is not your own, don't write that person as an outsider to their own culture. Yeah. And it, I hate that because it's like, just why didn't you just make her a straight white girl? Yeah. You know, like, I don't like, why did you make her like Middle Eastern and all this? If you were going to have her completely reject her heritage and basically act like, you know, somebody who was brought up like as an atheist or whatever, like, I don't understand. Like, and, and there was so much of it in there and it was just so jarring because it's like, you're doing this because you can't write from inside the perspective because you don't mm -hmm. belong to it. So you're adding all these extra layers and it was getting in the way of the storytelling. It was seriously tripping stuff up because like you had to spend all this extra time, like explaining all of this. And like the, it was just cumbersome and clumsy, uh, some of that. And I just, it started, it really irked me. And I was like, you know what? I'm done because like, that's good though. I skipped it. I did the, I did the Martian and then I did Hail Mary, but I skipped Artemis. So I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't, I did not enjoy it. Um, I haven't done Hail Mary. I've just been like, mm, no. Will Wheaton makes it interesting. He does the narration. I love his narration. Yeah. So that was that was a big part of it for me too. But I mean, I like the I like the science part of it. Yeah. But he was interesting. So. Yeah, I mean, there was science in Artemis, but like the whole thing was so like ridiculous and like, like I said, like all of the the writing from the outside perspective just added all this like cumbersome layers to it that mm. yeah i just didn't enjoy it but we've gotten yeah. way off topic we were yeah. here to talk about your book <laughs> but okay. um and i it's and i mean we, we did but we, we were here to talk about the blood of a dragon and mm. and and not like my ridiculously weird taste in books um not that the books that i like are weird but just I, if you met me in person you would not think that that's what's going on in my earbuds <laughs> but um yeah so there's six books and um is it you only gave us an amazon link so i'm i'm assuming it. that your book is in ku uh it limited. is yeah and it'll probably be so until the third book's out uh, i'm probably going to stay exclusive to amazon um most of my most of my sales are audible so that's I, awesome. I like audible as well um Good, bad, or ugly, I've done pretty well with them. So, uh, that's I like awesome. That. I, yeah, I need to get yeah. audiobooks for mine. I am only an ebook at the moment. Yeah. Um, I have a, my oldest son is very interested in doing audio narration. He, he kind of wants to do some game stuff too. And uh, a couple people that I've told about it are like, oh, oh, really? You know, I think uh, Tiger Hebert. Is, has actually talked to him about doing one oh, of wow. series. So that's that's cool. And I thought, wow, oh, that would be really great to have my own narrator, you know, living, you know, live in or, or in least close by. <laughs> Instead so, of rent. Hey, if you narrate exactly. this book, um, you don't have to pay rent for mm, <laughs> yeah, two yeah. months. You're set. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I 
need to i i want an audiobook very badly i don't i'd have to do some kind of royalty share kind of mm-hmm. situation and i've after reading some things in different author groups i'm a bit like intimidated by that like i'm not sure that i want to be tied into some kind of royalty share thing but like that's realistically the only way this is going to get made yeah, I, I i understand that um in our little noble bride alliance group it's relationships you know yeah there are a couple of guys that are narrate there that are actually narrating for some of the members now because you're comfortable with them and and had it not been michael and kate i don't know that i could have taken the leap either because i'm like i don't you know it, it was kind of there was a lot of questions that were answered when when they agreed to do it I did, a lot of things i didn't have to worry about all i had to worry about was paying for it which is right but, um yeah really cool there's certain narrators um that i love uh obviously james marsters which when the blood of the dragon came out, my friends went on the the celebrity thing or whatever, and they paid James Marsters to make me a little video. And it was oh, so that's cool. so cool! <laughs> that's great. so cool. And I he, think he's very genuine. He's like, you know, that's if so it cool. For writers, I wouldn't have a job. So thank you. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't say no if he wanted to do it as long as he exactly. did it in a royalty share. I wouldn't say no to anybody who wanted yeah. to do it if it was a royalty share and it sounds good. Yep. Um, there's yeah. a few narrators that you know are my favorites that like I would love to have do it, but I don't think they do royalty share because they're so they're so big now that yeah. and so popular that they probably don't need to. Yeah, but. the Tim Gerald Reynolds of the world. Um, he's interesting in in a lot of fantasy genres, but Travis Baldry is another one that he really blew up pretty quickly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. If if like. It's because I write open-ended series and I want the same narrator Mm -hmm. across all of them. Like, I mean, there's 10 books in in one series. I just, now I just released the 10th book. Um, But like, I would like the same narrator. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a lot of things. Like it's, it's on my list to like, actually like look deeper into it and, and maybe, Maybe pull the trigger on it because I've wanted an audiobook for so long and this is the only way I'm going to make it happen. If you get serious, let me know because I follow a bunch on uh, TikTok and while I would be doing something, washing dishes or whatever, mm-hmm. I would listen to them narrate. They get on TikTok and they narrate a book right. while a bunch of people sit and listen. Totally weird and voyeuristic, but um, I found some people that I'm like, wow. This person is very good. They have a perfect voice and they get these characters. So I thought, mm, if I need a female lead, most of them are female. Yeah, uh, I've I've, like, I've yeah. seen I've run across a few on, yeah. on the clock app, but yeah. um I need I definitely need a male narrator for yeah. my Cursebreaker series. It would mm-hmm. not for the other series I could do as a female, that's fine. But not that one. That's it's a male lead and the books are mostly from his perspective. <laughs> yeah. So somebody young, in. so that you know they can live through the series and yeah. yeah, I love the um the guy who does some of Rachel Aaron's um audiobooks. I don't remember his name. Um he did the um the Heart Striker series and a few uh, I don't know if he did the other one, but that one he did. And that was Vikas Adams. I, I uh, would love him. Hmm. But I don't think I could afford him. <laughs> so, but so yeah. My and my encouragement is you never know because when I talked to Michael and Kate, they have their own studio. Mm-hmm. And Kate said, Michael wants to work 
seven days a week. So he wants his schedule full. And even if there are some books that he doesn't make as much money on because they're smaller or whatever, he wants his schedule full. And she's not wrong. Uh, when I get on the schedule, I'm like six months out or seven oh, wow. months out. Yeah. So I have to give them the manuscript in January if I want it to be narrated in July. So wow. uh, there are some mean, folks out there who just want to just want to work. I would I would love it if you wanted to do it. Um, I would or or Kate. Kate's I, I love yeah. I love you, Kate. I love your narration. I love both of your narration. I know you're not listening, but yeah. I wish you were. <laughs> they might. Did you read the Codex Alera by Jim Butcher? I tried reading it. I couldn't get into it, so I I DNF'd it for now. I had I I just I couldn't get into it. Like I got I don't I didn't read. But you know what? I think it's partly my fault. I didn't read the blurb. Like I saw it was by the same author. You know, it was by Jim Butcher, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be like Harry or whatever. And it was I went into it with the wrong expectation. I mm-hmm. I don't read the book blurb. I probably should, but I, I often you know when you're looking for a certain. Subgenre and like you see the cover and like it tells you all you need to know and <laughs> I go in I like to go in without reading the blurb and sometimes it's that's a good idea sometimes that's a bad idea because sometimes the book cover is misleading um, or sometimes you're just you're just wrong about <laughs> what yeah. you thought was going to be this is one of those things that I it wasn't what I expected I just I didn't like it it something about it reminded me of the the Terry Goodkind and I. Uh, the mm. sort of truth i don't and i just uh, i just i put it down it was like okay i i did not like the sort of truth i only read the first one and, and that was but that book was a struggle to get through and the the, the sort of truth um i permanently blocked from my mind what it's called the first book <laughs> and yeah i was like yeah, but I, at I, some t- I'll try again at some point. If I hadn't right known it was Jim Butcher, if it had just been some other dude yeah. who wrote that, I wouldn't have had as much trouble. I had a hard time getting through the first two books because of that until I finally got over it and said, you know, this is something totally different. This yeah. has nothing to do with Dresden it, because it didn't feel like Jim Butcher. I think that's different. You're right. I think that's why I couldn't get into it. It. Yeah. I wanted... You know, I, I was expecting Jim Butcher, and that's not what was there. And I was like, Dresden feelings in fantasy? Yeah, that'd be great. That's what I wanted, but that's not what the Codex Alera is. And nope. I could not get past that to to experience what it actually is. Because it wasn't what I wanted. I think that's the problem. It, it's a me thing. He, he yeah. wrote a book that I didn't want. Yeah. But it, it's what he wanted. And someday I'll be able to, like, to do that, to, yeah. to read that with an open mind, but that day is not today. Yeah, and he said as much. You know, I get sick of Harry Dresden, he says. But it, it seems like two different people wrote those series, and that's it just boggles my mind how different they are. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what it was. I was looking for his voice, even though mm-hmm. it was not urban fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it, was a, it was a while ago. I that's all I remember is that it was not what I expected and it wasn't what I wanted. So I didn't continue reading it. Yep. I didn't get that far in. And yeah. The cognitive dissonance was too much. And I was like, I'm out. Yeah. Um, but let's, we should, we've, oh. we've been on for almost an hour and a half. We should probably wrap up the recording. Totally. So um, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Um, this is again, Jack Adkins. And we were talking about the blood of dragon. <laughs> Yeah. Um like 40 minutes ago. 
<laughs> so we got way off. See, this is what happens when when authors of all my interviews with epic fantasy book authors go really long. We go way off into like yeah. the weeds because like I'm an epic fantasy author, you are an epic fantasy author. So we just start vibing and getting on the same wavelength and yeah. taking you all for a ride. So I hope yeah. you enjoyed that and our this strange is, reading taste. <laughs> this is a blast. This is, this is really great. So I don't get to talk to a lot of other authors. This yep. is wonderful. You're welcome to come yeah. back anytime. Um, yeah. I'm not. You're welcome to. You're welcome to come anytime. I don't have any rules or anything. It's, All right. You know, I'm free willing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this has been Fantasy Lauren Moore. I'm your host, Melinda Cusera. And yeah, thanks so much. I hope you guys will be back next uh, tomorrow because we're going to be talking to a different fantasy author. <laughs> I don't think it's epic fantasy though, so it might be a bit shorter. So thank you, Jack Adkins. Thank you all. Have a great day or a great night wherever you're listening. <laughs>